Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. Happy New Year to you. This is the first episode of 2022 and we're beginning a new series today in the book of Revelation. And today we're looking at Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 to 8, which is really an overview. It introduces a lot of the themes that are going to be coming back in Revelation. So we're going to be taking a quick overview and having a look at what that has to say to us, particularly as it encourages us uh, and how to live in a hostile and secular culture. And just to let you know that there is a new series on the Ten Commandments which is going up on the Understand the Bible YouTube channel. Unfortunately, not all content is suitable for the podcast, so it's just the sermons at the moment on the podcast. But uh, the Ten Commandments series is going up on YouTube, so you might like to have a look at that uh, later on. The first episode is available now. And just to say that you can support Understand the Bible by becoming a Patreon. If you appreciate these sermons and the other content available, then do consider becoming a Patreon, as I really do appreciate your support. So thanks so much, everyone. I hope that you enjoy the sermon and it's edifying for you and helpful. God bless. So the world is growing increasingly secular and hostile to Christianity. And I know that a lot of us, we've spoken quite a lot about that uh, over the past few years. It's something, I think it's something actually, which is, you know, we've noticed even in the time that I've been here, um, which is about seven and a half years, um, there's been change in society, hasn't there? You know, we've noticed that things are more secular now. There's, it's, I think, becoming harder to uh, to be a Christian Certainly, if you think about what it's like for MPs, if you want to hold to traditional Christian values of, say, marriage, for example, um, it's becoming very, very difficult. In fact, actually, just this morning, I was reading an article um, which was referring to a a judgment two years ago where um, someone, a judge, ruled that Genesis 1.27, saying that, you know, God made mankind in his own image, you know, male and female who created them, said it was incompatible with human dignity. Um, and um, this was because of the whole transgender thing. I won't go into all of it. But we are undermining the foundations of Western society and excluding uh, Christianity. And uh, just before Christmas, we were, um, I think in, in November time, we went to see um, Guy and Sandy uh, over in Frinton. And, um, and most of you know Guy and Sandy. I think a few of you have joined since they, since they left. Guy was the vicar here. And um, Sandy was saying, um, where in the world now is it really safe to be a Christian? You know, because there are some places where it's easier to be a Christian than others. We're not in danger of being killed in this country, as they are in many other countries. But it seems like all around the world now, you've got the threat from either Islam, from radical um, Islam or from Hinduism, or from um, secularism, which is hostile to Christianity. And I can well imagine a situation coming in the, the next few years where more, you know, it's like in China, where you know, you're not allowed, or, or it's very, very regulated being a Christian. So I, I feel like that, that could be coming. And given all of that that's happening, then I, I think we need to ask, well, what do we do as Christians? You know, how should we... How should we live in the world? And that's where Revelation comes in. Because I think Revelation was written to a church who were about to enter a period of immense hostility. You know, you think about what happened um, to Christians in the early centuries, you know, being thrown to the lions um, and so on. That really happened. 
and they were facing that situation when John was writing his letter. This kind of thing was going on, the Emperor Nero um, and so on. So we, uh, this letter was written as an encouragement uh, to Christians who are facing a hostile world, which is very like the situation that you and I are facing today. So how do we face it according to the Bible? Well, that, that's what Revelation is about. It's to encourage us. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking. We won't look at, have time to look at the whole of Revelation. We'll just get the first um, two or three um, chapters. But um, I hope we'll be able to come back to it in, uh, in due course. So it starts out, Revelation chapter 1, it says, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. I was thinking, you know, who wouldn't want a revelation from Jesus Christ? You know, so many times, I don't know if you have this in your life, you think, oh, Lord, if only you just show me what's going to happen, or if only you just give me some kind of revelation. And here we go, it's a revelation from Jesus Christ. You know, and who wouldn't want to hear that? And it's given uh, to show his servants what must soon take place. Saying, this is, this is what's happening. And this is what was happening then, and it's, and it's what's happening now as well. Now, some people think that Revelation is just like a code. You know, you just have to decipher all of the world events. And I don't think that's the case. I think what, what this is intended to do is actually to show us how, how history is going to pan out until Jesus returns. Not to talk about individual people, but actually to say this is how the world is going to be until Jesus returns. Um, and it says, um, blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. What other book comes with a blessing just for reading it? Now, what other book in the Bible comes with a blessing just for reading it? I think that says something about how important revelation is, actually, that it is, we're just blessed for reading it, for taking to heart what it says. And that's why it's important to read and to study. So in this, this opening uh, section then, um, it's from John. He says, uh, he signs his name, John. It says, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. That was the, the Roman province of Asia, not, not what we call Asia today. And um, to the seven churches. Now, seven is a number in the Bible, which is, you know, is sort of that symbolic significance, isn't it? It's... It kind of represents completeness and, you know, it's often associated with God. And um, I think that's a little hint to what John is saying here. He's saying this is not to these specific seven churches, although all of those churches existed. But he's saying this is a, a message to the whole church. This is to us as well. Now, this is the, the church all over the world at all times. Now, this is just the message that God has to us. And uh, he says, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And that was why I picked that, that song to start with, you know, who um, they actually changed the order. I just noticed in that, that song they changed the order. They said who was and who is and who is to come. But John says, no, who is, it is now and he was and he is to come. He's the past, the present and the future is our God. Now, he's bigger than history, and that's meant to encourage us to start with, you know, that we might look at the events of history and think, oh, you know, we're just at the mercy of forces bigger than ourselves, 
whatever they may be. But actually we have a God who is bigger than history, who is bigger than the past and the future and big enough for our present as well. And he says, um, and uh, from the, the sevenfold spirit, from the seven spirits, from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ, uh, and he gives us three reasons why we should listen to Jesus Christ. He's the faithful witness. He's the one who faithfully witnesses to the truth. And that's an important thing, isn't it? You know, knowing the truth, that we know that we can always trust Jesus to tell the truth, always. He always tells the truth. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the one who was the, the, if you like, the first one who's been raised to new life. And that one, you know, we're thinking actually about this on Sunday morning over the next few weeks, 1 Corinthians 15, about the resurrection. But this is, this is the thing with, with Jesus, isn't it? He's the first one who's been raised. So we know we can trust what he says about the future because he's already there. You know, he has been raised from the dead. We can trust him. And he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. Despite all appearances to the contrary, it may look like we have, um, uh, you know, others are in control. It may look like the government's in control or whoever it might be. There are people there pulling the strings, whatever that might be. But actually Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And that's meant to be an encouragement to us to say whatever events might be happening in the world, that Jesus is the one who rules. And it's, do you know, it, it's a bit like those programmes. You get, um, you watch these documentary programmes sometimes, and, and you know, if you watch it with ad breaks, sometimes every ad break, they'll, they'll say, you know, this is what we, we showed you, and then this is what's coming next. And they'll show you a little snippet of what's coming next, you know, just to kind of get your interest for the next and that's a bit like what, what John is doing here. He's showing us a little snippet of what he's going to be, be showing us through Revelation. Showing us what, um, what is coming, what's to come from the rest of the book. And, and then he, he has this lovely little, um, what we call a doxology, you know, giving, giving praise and glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins and made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. And uh, I thought, you know, that's, that's our response, isn't it? When we see Jesus, is to actually give praise and glory to him. And that should be our response always, you know, when we see, uh, when we see the Lord Jesus, to give praise and glory to him. And he mentions um, making us to be a kingdom and priest. Um, now, one of, the, uh, one of the problems, I say not problems, but one of the features of Revelation, I've heard it said that Revelation has more references or allusions to the Old Testament than there are verses in Revelation. You know, hundreds. So let, I'm, I can't go through every single one of them, and we won't because that would take ages, um, and that would be a, quite a distraction, I think. But this one is, is, is interesting. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, it says this, uh, The Lord says, Ye will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And that's what God said to, the, uh, to Moses at Mount Sinai when he brought them out of Egypt. You'll be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So it's actually in Jesus that those words are fulfilled. It's in Jesus that those words are fulfilled, that we are the fulfilment of God's promise, actually in Jesus Christ. 
And then in these, uh, these final couple of verses that we looked at, um, he says, look, he is coming. He is coming with the clouds. And I think here that he's, John's not referring so much to the uh, second coming of Christ, although I'm sure that's in view, but actually just to, to Jesus, uh, his ascension and coming uh, when people come to know him, that we experience him and uh, we know him in the here and now, not just when we're, we're coming to the, uh, the second coming. And um, it says, um, all peoples on earth will mourn because of him, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And I think that that did happen, didn't it? That's what happens in Acts. I'll just read you one more verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Uh, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? The people there who, uh, who heard about Jesus, the ones who were there when he was crucified, who were calling for him to be crucified, they were cut to the heart when they encountered this message about Jesus, when they encountered Jesus. So that's, uh, that's just what happened, and that's what's happening day by day, that you know, the, the people encounter the risen Lord. And it's a divisive thing, isn't it? You know, for some people, encountering Jesus is a is good news it's a wonderful thing uh, but for other people encountering Jesus is a uh, is actually something which you know they reject no I don't want to know him I don't want to see him and Jesus is a divisive uh, divisive figure and uh, and then uh, this final verse here the Lord says I am the Alpha and the Omega who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty uh, the Alpha and the Omega that's the beginning, uh, the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So it's a bit like saying, I am the A and the Z, but that doesn't sound as good, does it? You know, I think Alpha and Omega sounds much better. It's got more of a ring to it. The A and the Z, it just sounds like an A to Z map, um, which is not the same. But no, this is, he's saying, I am the beginning and the end. That's what he's saying. I am the beginning and the end. Um, and we have this repeated who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Again, we have this, that, that history is not random or chaotic or pointless, but there is a God who stands behind history, and there is one who is um, everlasting, who is eternal, and who is almighty over and, and sovereign over the events of history. And we are to fix our eyes on him. Now, I, I know that this, this has been... Um, I feel like it's been dotting around a little bit. This is how Revelation opens. You know, it's little bits. It's like the overture of a symphony. You know, you get little bits of it, uh, which are going to come through the rest of it. Um, but we'll look at that in more detail as we come over the coming weeks. Um, but this is just to give you a taster, I think, of what is to come. But what can we learn and what can we take from this just today as we've thought about this little taster? And there's just a couple of things which I wanted to to suggest for us to think about and to learn from, to take from this. Revelation is meant to be an encouragement for us, living in um, interesting times. I don't know if you've heard of this, there's supposed to be an ancient Chinese curse that said, may you always live in interesting times, um, which I think is, uh, I, I like that because it's, it is, you know, we do live in interesting times, don't we? You know, we want boring times. <laughs> you know, we want, we want life to be predictable and sort of, you know, normal. But actually, you know, we do live in interesting times. 
And, you know, Revelation is supposed to be an encouragement that there is a God who stands above history. And there is a God who, you know, is eternal and who knows the end from the beginning. And that's an encouragement, isn't it, to know that you know, the end of the story has already been written. You know, that God knows the end and he knows that it turns out all right. And he knows that the bad guys get defeated in the end and, and so on. You know, that that's, that's the good news of Revelation. And Revelation encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus. That Jesus is the centrepiece of history. As it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus is the one for whom and through whom everything exists. Everything exists through Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. And despite all appearances to the contrary, that's always true. It might look like when we look around at the world, we might look and see, well, Jesus is not, is not honoured in the world. Jesus isn't honoured in wherever, in the government. Jesus isn't honoured in our society as he should be, or as we look around other countries. But actually Jesus is, is the centrepiece of history and we should honour him in, in our lives. There is a phrase which politicians like to use, um, which is being on the right side of history. I don't know if you've heard politicians, that was a favourite of Barack Obama as the US president talking about being on the right side of history. And actually that's the, the final thing for us to remember, is that actually to be on the right side of history is to be on Jesus' side. Because Jesus is the centrepiece of history. And when we stick with him, and when we fix our eyes on him and what he says, then we are on the right side of history. And that's what we need to, to remember today. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and he is the one who will keep us through, through the storm. He's the anchor, uh, if you like. He will keep us through this storm, steadfast and secure. And so we need to fix our eyes on him. Let's take a moment to pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement as we look at this book of Revelation. We thank you that you are the beginning and the end. We thank you that you are the one who is and who was and who is to come. And we thank you that uh, we can um, fix our eyes on Jesus as the, the centrepiece of history. And we pray that you would help us to do that, Lord, to fix our eyes on him um, in this coming week. Whatever happens in our lives, whatever happens in the world, to be able to fix our eyes on him and to be able to, uh, to be on his side and to put our trust completely in him. We ask this in his name. Amen.